And it's so good to be here tonight. I'm really, I'm really, really excited about preaching and just, just being here because um, I don't know if you guys are Facebook friends with me. You have seen that um, I've been posting up hecka pictures of me and my mom, me and my brother, and uh, all of us are eating. And this sounds really loud to me. Is it? Is it really loud? Okay, I'm gonna. Is this good for you guys? Okay. So um, anyway, I was just, I've just been doing a lot of family time. And, man, it's awesome, but my nature and my personality, I'm like, you know, I'm like a go-getter. So I wake up every day, even when I don't have to do anything, and I make a list of things to do. So I always have to be productive. And yesterday, I literally, um, I was like, okay, the goal is to be relational with my family and to chill, right? So I went to Ujangbu, uh, where my aunts and um, uncles and cousins live with my mom and brother. And, man, we just sat around all day and ate and slept and ate and slept. And to many people, that sounds like fun. And even in my mind, I was like, that sounds great. But all I could think about was like, I got to get out of here. I'm so bored. And then my, my emo boo, he bought all this mana, this garlic, like this mountain of mana. And then I was like, finally, something to do. So I was like, let me help you. So I started like, like helping him peel it. But then he's like, no, I don't want your hands to smell. And you could just watch me. And then I was like, I want to do something. <laughs> and I, God was just like, relax, relax today, chill. But um, so I haven't been able to see and spend as much time with you guys. I didn't have my campus day Thursday. So, man, I feel like in need of seeing your faces. So I love that I can see all of you at the same time right now. Um, yeah, as Eugene introduced, I'm the campus director of Emmaus at SNU. And we've been doing this um, large group at SNU since spring 2013, so a little over a year now. Ryan is visiting us today. Everybody say, hey, Ryan. What's up, Ryan? And he was here spring 2013, right? Okay, so he was here our first semester, as Eugene said. And um, it's such a blessing to see how God has, like, really led us step by step and what he's doing in our campus, what he's doing in the staff and student leaders and the students here. So I'm really excited to be preaching today. And I feel like this word is something that God has really personally been challenging me with for a long time now. And, you know, some words... When he speaks to you, you wake up that day and you get a word from the Lord and it's for that day or it's, it's just, oh, that's really good wisdom. That's really good revelation. But the next day, it's, it's not like one of those that stick with you forever. But then some, some things that God speaks, he gives you like bits every single day and every day you like think about it. And every day you don't understand or every day God reminds you of this word and he just wants you to chew on it and chew on it and chew on it. And this is one of those words for me, okay? So I think at the beginning of this semester is when God started to speak this to me and I was just kind of just chewing on it, what it means and does it apply to this situation only or God, what do you want me to do with it? And I felt like this is the week that God wanted me to really share it with each of you. And so... um. The title of the sermon, if you're taking notes, is The Land I Will Show You. The Land I Will Show You. Okay? The Land I Will Show You. And um, I'm going to be preaching out of Genesis 12, 1 through 4. Genesis 12, 1 through 4. Um, so if you guys want to, you can go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. Genesis 12, 1 through 4. <clears throat> Uh, you know, lately, especially this semester more than most, I've gotten a lot of, you know, as I sit and counsel students and just hear them out, hear how they're doing, this semester more than many others, I've, I've been in conversations with students and even staff and student leaders about, you know, what to do next. I'm going to graduate in a year, in a semester, in three years. Oh, my gosh, what am I going to do with my life? What does God want me to do? What's the right path? What path should I take? How can I hear his voice? What if I make a mistake? What if I ruin my life and I make the wrong decision? Where do I go? How do I walk forward? What decision do I make? And, um, you know, what do I do with my life? Um, or I get a lot of, um, you know, when difficult or tough situations arise. What do I do in the situation? How do I navigate through this situation? How do I walk through this difficult season of my life? Um, or maybe there's repetitive sin or struggles. 
How do I get through? How do I break through? How do I walk through this? What's the wisdom? What's the word that will get me through this addiction or this sin pattern or this struggle? And a lot of it is directional, right? How can I walk? Where do I walk? How do I get there? Okay? To the, the promise, to the freedom, to the job, to the breakthrough. It's all wanting to go somewhere. And what I've noticed is, is a lot of times students are asking me um, for me to tell them, the voice of the Lord for their lives. You will be a doctor, and you will achieve this and this and this. You will you will heal people of brain cancer, and you will do this. Or you will be a dentist, or you will be an engineer. Or or if you say these following words to your mother, you will never have an argument again. Like I feel like sometimes they're just waiting for me to tell them the very breakthrough. But that's not how God works, and that's not what he's wanting to do in us, right? And I believe that what God wants to speak to us tonight is really how to navigate this faith walk, how to move into that promise, how to continue on in faith when we're not certain where we're going, how to get there, when we don't fully understand. The answer isn't to just ask some Christian or some CD the exact things you got to do. Okay? The answer is much deeper than that because God is way more loving than that. And he wants to speak to you directly, personally, into your situation. And so, <clears throat> if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Genesis 12, 1 through 4. And I'm going to be reading out of the ESV, the English Standard Version translation. <clears throat> Genesis 12, 1 through 4 says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Everyone say, the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. Okay? This is a very, very, very famous uh, story in the Bible, okay? If we've been around church for long, we've heard of Abraham. He's the father of our faith. And, and so many references in the Bible go back to Abraham and this moment, this moment when God called Abraham, okay? Because before this, before this, there was not a people that God had specifically chosen. Before this, People did whatever they wanted. There were a lot of different pagan religions out there. But this moment was when God chose a people for himself. And he said, through Abraham, through Abram at this point, I'm going to bless all the nations. These people are the ones I'm going to choose for myself to bless, to pour out abundance, to lead. These are the people that I want to take such good care of that the whole world will look at them and know they are blessed and know that I'm with them. This is the moment that God chose his people through this man, Abram. And Abram, he didn't live in some Christian family that went to church every week. There wasn't church, okay? It was pre-Jesus. And he just lived with all the other pagan religions in this random culture with everybody else. And he did whatever sacrifices and adhered to whatever religion was popular in that time and in that place. And then he hears the voice of God. And the voice of God says, hey, follow me to the land. I will show you. I'm going to bless you, make your name great, and through you the entire world will be blessed. Okay? Immediately Abram followed. He just listened and heard a voice, and he obeyed and followed. Okay? And so you can imagine how ridiculous that is. Like, it's not like he had history with this God. It's not like he grew up hearing this God. It's not like he had all this familiar relationship with this God. I mean, at least a, a lot of us here, we grew up knowing about the story of Christianity or knowing at least some Christians, but there was no reference for him. All he heard was a voice speaking to him. And so wherever you are on your faith walk, whether Christianity is normal for you or if it's something very new, it really doesn't matter. If you heard a voice calling out to you in whatever way that that voice did, then that's substantial and that matters because God doesn't do that to everybody, as you can see. He has called and spoken to only some people. And if you're in this room, it's because you in some way have heard his voice and have followed him here. And so Abraham, Abram, he listens to this voice and he says, okay, I'm down. Let's go. 
to the land that you will show me, okay? So he doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know how long it's going to take to get there. He doesn't know how he's going to get there. He doesn't know how they're going to make money to live. He's got a family and cows and oxen and donkeys. He doesn't know what he's going to do with them. All he knows is he's going somewhere, and he doesn't really know where that somewhere is yet. He doesn't know what's going to happen to him. He just obeys, right? Hebrews 11, 8 through 12 is referencing this story, and it says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. From one good-as-dead man, God wanted to bless the entire earth, right? And, and you can look at this both personally and also holistically. Personally, if you look at Abraham, he got a really good deal, okay? He's just like everybody else. And then God just, for some reason, chooses to love him, bless him, call him, give him abundance, give him these promises, lead him, call him friend. Personally, that's an awesome deal, okay? He didn't do anything. It didn't say he was some great man or that he was so noble. He was just alive. He just was. God chose him and he agreed, okay? That's a good deal. But also, if you look at the bigger scale, holistically, world, 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 the the scale of the world, okay? It's also a good deal. Because before this, there wasn't a people that God had chosen. Before this, the revelation of God wasn't made manifest in that time. And God's saying, I'm going to reveal more about my loving kindness and my goodness through this man. Okay? So the whole world is going to be blessed by a greater revelation and understanding of God through this man who's as good as dead. So Abraham is personally blessed and the world is now blessed through this man, okay? And as Eugene was leading in this prayer topic, sometimes we got to open our eyes and see the world around us. Yeah, it's good that we feel good about ourselves and we're praying, but like, what about everyone who's not here? What about the people who are suffering from depression, who are struggling with anxiety, who are facing really difficult situations in our classes, in our dorm rooms? What about all those people? What if God, just like he called Abraham, what if he called each of us, To personally bless us, yeah, hey, we got a great deal, okay? But what if there are so many other people that we were meant to bless? We were meant to bless because of God's revelation into our lives, because God chose us, right? Yeah, he chose you personally, but there's a much bigger picture to why you're sitting in this room, why you know Jesus Christ, why he has called you. He wants to bless cities nations, and the world through you, okay? If God called me to minister here at SNU because of the 20 students gathered, I would say, yes, Lord, I will obey. But I wouldn't be as excited about what I do. I would be excited about your 20 individual lives, yes. But I wouldn't be as excited because when I see you guys, I don't just see you where you are, okay? Someone, there's this guy that was invited into our church to kind of like, um, Emmaus is a college ministry of New Philadelphia Church, which is an English ministry in Seoul. And this guy was invited to come and kind of like, you know, see how we were doing and, and identify things that maybe don't work for us anymore and, and kind of give us suggestions on how to improve and be more efficient uh, and, and move toward the vision for the future. And his name is Dr. Tony Beckham, and he sat down with the Emmaus campus directors, and he asked me some questions, and and he asked me some questions about if I could see certain students doing the. If, he said, "If um, could you see? Could you give me two two names of students who could do this? Could you give me two names of students who could do this?" And then immediately I was like, "Yeah, this student and this student, this student and this student." This. And he's just like, "Why is it so easy for you?" to give me names of students. You're, you're like so easy for you to dream for them, to have vision for them. And I said, because when I look at them, I don't just see them where they are. I don't just see them as some 19, 20-year-olds that, you know, eat nachos and eat yang yum chicken late at night and watch Korean dramas. Yeah, you guys may do that a little too much right now. But what I see when I look at you guys is I see your families. I see your future callings. 
I see you changing workplaces. I see you changing nations. I see Malaysia, okay? I see the world being blessed through you. And so when I sow, I know that it matters, okay? That's why it's very easy for me to be excited when I meet one of you one-on-one. I'm excited about you. Don't get me wrong. But I'm also excited about what you represent and what God has put inside you, right? And so I really, I want us to kind of think about how significant it was when God spoke to Abraham, okay? When God spoke to Abraham, he had you guys in mind. When he chose Abraham, he saw each of you as childs, childs, as children and heirs of the promise that he gave to Abraham, okay? So Abraham is now known as this man of such great faith. And when I read about him, sometimes I'm just like, dude, that's so good. Great for this biblical example, but in my day and age and with the problems I have and with the life I'm living, you know, it's God, it's really asking a lot for me to be able to live a life of faith like Abraham, okay? I can't just go to some place I don't even know. I can't do all this stuff. I, I can't persevere in faith like Abraham. Like the bar is so high, I feel like I could never have enough faith to match Abram's faith. And there's moments in my life where I'm like, There's moments where I'm like, oh, I'm so full of faith. Like, you can do anything, God. Like, anything is possible for you. And and I love those moments, but I'm not like that all the time. Like, there's moments where I'm on my floor and just, like, just kill me now, Lord. Just take me now. I don't want to do it anymore. Nothing is possible for those who believe, you know. And I, I know, I'm like, I have no, no, I feel like I have no faith. I feel like I have no hope, you know. And I'm like, man, my faith is so weak compared to Abraham. And if you know me, I'm very competitive. So I like to be the best at everything. And so when I see a standard, usually it excites me like, oh, I'm going to get that. So when I'm doing well, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm like Abraham. I'm like a child of Abraham. I'm full of faith. And when I'm not doing so well, I'm like, I suck. And I'm always going to suck, okay? I will never have this man's level of faith <sighs> fail. But, but the Lord... Um, He's been unpacking this revelation in my heart as well. As I've been asking him, God, I believe, help me in my unbelief. I have faith in these areas. Help me in the areas I don't have faith in. And, and the thing is, guys, when you ask God, even in desperation and you feel like you're, you don't have any faith, he answers and he is answering. And this word to me is an answer to those prayers because God was teaching me how to continue to walk in faith when it was difficult. Okay? So, Tonight, we are going to unpack practically Abraham's faith walk to the land of promise, okay, to the land that God will show him. How did Abraham become such a man of faith? How did he remain a man of faith? How did he continue to trust God all those years, okay? Romans 8, 24 and 25 says, Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Okay? Now, hope that is seen is not hope. And the way I'm practically going to unpack this, lucky for you, because I usually don't do this, but there are four things that stood out to me, four keys to what Abraham did that allowed him to remain in a place of faith. And fortunately for you, it is an acronym, and it's HOPE. Okay? H-O-P-E. H-O-P-E. So you will be able to remember it easily. H-O-P-E. HOPE. Okay? Number one, hearing clearly. Everyone say, hearing clearly. The first miraculous thing we notice about this story with God and Abraham is the fact that Abraham could hear God's voice. Okay? Often when I counsel students about relationships, school, their future, difficult situations, my job is not to tell them what to do. Okay, or um, how to do it necessarily. My job is not to give them a directive, specific word into each situation. Sometimes I do, but that's not what the point is. The point is, how can I help them get rid of all the other junk to discern God's voice? And how do I equip them to obey once they've heard? That's my job, okay? Because a lot of what comes out is not God's voice. And my job is to help them discern the voice of God and equip them to obey it well once they've heard. And um, 
When I start getting to that question, though, what do you think God is telling you? What do you think God is teaching you? What do you think God is speaking to you in this situation? Okay? Many of you have heard me ask you that, and you get really annoyed with me. And many times, you guys, you students look at me, and you're like, if I knew that, why would I be talking to you? Like, that's why I'm talking to you, because I don't know. <laughs> you know. Like, that's why you have to tell me, right? And then, and then <laughs> I could tell a very, like, frustration coming from you guys. Um, you know, he's not telling me anything. That's why I'm here. Um, but when I ask you guys, what, what do you think? What are you feeling and thinking? What are your thoughts on the matter? Or better yet, what is the devil doing to you right now? Okay? Whoa. I, I have to stop you guys because an hour and a half has already passed. Because your own thoughts, your own feelings, and what the devil has been doing to you, man, there is so much to say about that, okay? And I want us to think about the real battle here, okay? <clears throat> if the first step to Abraham was he heard the voice of God clearly, right? Then I want us to think about what we're hearing clearly, regularly, okay? Often we have a play-by-play of what the enemy is doing, don't we? And I'm not just talking to you guys. I did too. I do too, okay? Today I woke up in the morning and I was hit with a spirit of discouragement, okay? I missed the subway, someone pushed me, and then the discouragement continued to grow and I just hated the bus driver who didn't let me off at the stop and I was late to my class and then I turned in my paper at the wrong time and then I got a bad grade and I know the devil's out to get me and it's been so hard and then I found out that my dad was sick and the enemy's after my family now and the enemy's doing this now and everything's coming against me and I'm barely making it but I'm holding on I'm barely holding on but the enemy he's been hard at work the enemy's been attacking me Spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare! <laughs> okay? And, um, <laughs> I'm making light of it, but sometimes we're like that, okay? We're really like that. And we think that's what spiritual warfare looks like. But can I just tell you guys that sometimes it ain't the devil, okay? Sometimes it is not the devil. Sometimes it's not the devil. Um, if you were at the New Philly retreat, um, there were some awesome messages that were given. And Dr. Kirby Clements, one of the speakers, said that um, our true fight is with God and not the devil. And I could tell it tripped up everybody. And at first I was like, what do you mean by that? You know, why are we fighting God? And, like, the devil's our enemy. Um, he's not. He wasn't saying, um, you know, that the devil isn't real or that the devil doesn't attack us or that the devil's attacks aren't serious or that we don't have to wage spiritual warfare. He wasn't saying that. Okay, um, the word of God says in um, uh, the word of God says that the devil is prowling like a lion and he is attacking us. He is after us, but it also says resist the enemy and he will flee from you. Okay, it also says that you're more than a conqueror. It also says that he's under our feet. So basically, if we resist him, he will flee from us. And the 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 war we're fighting against the enemy is not the main concern. Because we've already won, okay? It's learning to walk out that victory. Um, but First Timothy 6.12 says that we fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made good the confession in the presence of many witnesses. You made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight of what? Faith. Fight the fight against the evil one. Fight the fight against the devil. Fight the fight against spiritual attack all the time. No. Fight the good fight of faith. Okay? Our real battle isn't with the devil, it's with God. What does that mean? It means we are fighting the more serious fight, um, the more serious battle, it's in the place of faith. Okay? The fight within ourselves, the fight where God speaks a word, the fight we get, we engage in to actually believe that word, okay? The fight where he speaks out a promise and we're battling within ourselves whether we'll actually believe him or not. That 
battle is the more significant battle. The enemy can't really do anything to you. You're a child of God. But you, in the battle within yourself, that battle, that fight of faith, what you do there, that is what really matters. And that can definitely affect you. When God speaks a word and we immediately refuse it because we just can't believe that he's that good or that he would give us that, right? The battle to believe that every promise in Christ is yes and amen. Sometimes we don't even think we're not believing it. But when we read the Bible, we're like, oh, that's good. Yes and amen, yes and amen. But if you're not being offended at what's in the Bible when you read it, then you actually aren't believing it. Because the stuff that you read there, guys, is crazy. Like, oh, you're going to do greater works than me, right? And he was like, Jesus was healing dead people, raising the dead, healing the sick. If you're not offended at that, then you're not actually believing it. Do you believe what you read? Do you believe what you hear? Because it offends me because I know that I have unbelief in my heart in many areas. When God speaks a word from a leader, okay, you're going to be blessed in this area, in this area, in this area. And I'm like, okay, you know. Or I'm just like, whatever, that's not true. That is the fight of faith. Are we going to believe what God has said? Are we going to believe what he has said? That is the battle that we have to concern ourselves with here. To live a life of faith and inherit the promise, we have to first learn how to hear clearly, just as Abraham did. And if you feel like God is being silent to you, okay, if you feel like you've been knocking on heaven's door, that's a song. <laughs> oh, I'm so old. If you feel like you've been knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door, then, and you only get silence, okay? May, I, I have, I have also experienced similar things, okay? And, and, um, and so I want to just alleviate some of that confusion for you. God does not hate you. He's not going to be silent forever. But I want you to ask yourself a couple questions. If you feel like you want to hear clearly, but you've only been getting silence, okay? One, what has God already said to you? What has God already said to you? Did he already address the situation before? What did he reveal about the situation before? Did you listen to him the first time? Why are you going back to him again for the same issue if he's already spoken to you? Maybe he isn't going to repeat himself again. Maybe that's reason number one for silence, okay? Reason number two. What do you already know to be true? Two, what do you already know to be true? Is this request the will of God? What you already know to be the will of God, is it true to his character and nature? Are you asking for something that's very not like God to do? Okay, what do you already know to be true about God about this situation? And three, what words, promises, or counsel have you already received about it? Okay. Has a leader already spoken into the situation, and what did they say? Did you already receive a revelation about it in the word of God? What did it say? Was there already a sermon that addressed it? Why have you forgotten and set down these words already? God isn't going to repeat it again if he's already revealed it once. Okay, so if, if you want to hear clearly but the issue is silence, don't worry, it's not going to last forever. But ask yourself these questions and see if you've already been having this conversation with God and he's already been speaking into it. Okay, um, but if it's not silence um, and instead you've just been having difficulty discerning the voice of God, what is true, what is false, and I want to hear clearly but it's difficult, um, I want you to think about this question. When someone asks you what the enemy is doing in your life, and then they ask you what God is doing in your life, okay? And if you write out a list of both things, okay, what the enemy is doing and what God is doing, um, is the list from the enemy longer than the list from God, okay? Because if your list of what the enemy is doing um, is longer, then it's not a matter of God not speaking, or it's not a matter of the battle being so hard. It's a matter of your perspective. It's a matter of what you've fixed your mind and your heart and your eyes on, okay? It's a matter of what you've fixed your ears on, okay? Because you've set your eyes on what the enemy is doing and not on what the Lord is doing, okay? On what the enemy is, is speaking and not on what the Lord is speaking, and I want us to think about if Abraham did that, okay? 
If Abraham did that, what we do often, okay, if we fix our eyes on our problems, on the enemy, on how he's acting, what if Abram did that in that moment when he heard God's voice say, come and follow me to the land I will show you? So let's see, okay? Abraham, living in the ancient Near East at this time, wakes up in the morning, hear all those pagans worshiping Baal again, child sacrifices, all the prophets doing all these animal sacrifices. Someone stole my donkey and my oxen and my sheep. Man, I never get a good break. Everything's so hard for me here. There's a drought, so my garden and my crops are now dead. How am I going to provide for my family? Abram, follow me to the land I will show you. Everything's so hard. Sarah is barren. Are we ever going to have kids? We're so old. I'm never going to have a son to give all this land to Abram, follow me to the land I will show you. Everything is so hard. Uh, okay. What if Abram was like us, right? And we're like so fixed on how hard everything is, right? And then we've got all this long list of what the devil's doing to us. And then, and then Abram, he gets his promise, come, follow me to the land I will show you. I will bless you and bless nations through you, right? How are we supposed to hear that, that still small whisper, hear that clearly when all these other voices and thoughts are coming at us at all times, okay? It's a good thing Abram was clear-minded at that time. But could you imagine that, trying to distinguish the voice of God to hear such a powerful promise? It looks so small and insignificant and, and unrealistic and impossible, There's immediate issues. My donkey is gone. There's worshipers of Baal outside my window, God. Okay, or he doesn't even know God. He's just complaining. And then how, like, there's this random voice telling you this random promise to go to this random land. If we are so obsessed with the problems around us, we cannot communicate with the voice of God. We cannot hear. We can't listen. We can't understand. Those are all spiritually discerned things, but our minds are set on the things of the flesh, things of the world, right? We can't communicate with God in that place. It doesn't even make sense. Okay, it's like another language. We, Abram would not have been able to hear his voice at all if his mind was fixed on those things around him. But he was sober-minded and clear-minded. He wasn't fixed on all those things, okay? If you think you got a difficult life, it's, it was more difficult back then, I promise, okay? But Abe could have missed that powerful promise that blessed him and blessed nations, blessed the world for all of the future, blessed us if he did not listen and hear clearly the voice of God, okay? We are blessed because of Abraham's ability to hear God. Okay, you listening and hearing clearly the voice of God, it matters to you, to your family, to your friends, to your nation, to the world. There are people that that you don't even know and you will never even understand how you could reach them. But they their knowledge of God, their blessing and grace and favor from God, it will be affected by your ability to hear God's voice clearly right now. Okay, it matters to hear the voice of God clearly. And what I want to say to you tonight is, is God is giving each of us these nuggets, these promises, these ridiculous callings, these powerful words. He's slipping them in, okay? Wake up in the morning, he's saying something here, dropping something here, dropping something here. And it looks like it, those things are just random thoughts, or they don't matter, or we don't even hear them, or they're so insignificant, or whatever, compared to the problem or the attack at hand. But the devil is just... If he's attacking, the only thing he's doing is trying to cause you to be confused, right? It's going to cause you to try not to, to, to cause you to not hear clearly. Because if you hear those things clearly, man, it's game over for him. He's just trying to be so loud. He's just trying to be so loud so you don't hear God's voice. But that's all he's doing. He's just yelling, okay? There's no power behind that voice. And so you've become so obsessed with fighting this loud voice that doesn't even matter. And then the voice of God, we can't even hear it anymore, right? God is speaking to each of you as powerful or even more powerful words that he has spoken to Abraham back then in Genesis 12. And he's speaking to them to you every single day. He is. I can guarantee it to you. I know that he is. Um. 
So what is your ear tuned into? Is it the voice of God or is it the voice of discouragement, despair, the devil, right? That is your choice where you want to tune in. But God is speaking to you. And if you're having trouble hearing the voice of God clearly, a good place to start is the word of God, okay? If you read the word of God, and if you're used to reading it regularly, good, keep doing it. But if it's new for you and it's hard, don't feel like you have to, you know, do a Bible in one month plan right now and, and it, like you have to go all in or don't do it at all. No, that's stupid, okay? Just read a little bit every day. Read a paragraph here on this morning. Read two paragraphs the next day. Just read, just get in the Word a little bit every day, even if it's five minutes. 10 minutes, 15 minutes, okay? Start somewhere, and then you're going to be able to understand how God speaks through the word of God, okay? You'll be able to distinguish his voice. And I also really encourage you, if you're having difficulty hearing clearly the voice of God, to listen to your leader, okay? Listen to your leader. Listen to your uh, familiar leader, your spiritual leaders at your church. Listen to them, okay? When your leader speaks something to you, any kind of word, a big word, powerful word, you're crying, or a little word of encouragement here or there, a little word of advice, a little word of counsel, how do you treat the word that they're speaking to you? This is not about their ego, okay? I'm not saying, oh, you should write it down and meditate on it and tell them it changed your life to make them feel good. Like, no, I don't care about that. All the leaders here know who they are. Okay, what I care about is if how you're treating their words, it makes all the difference. It reflects how you're treating God's words. Okay, because if if you have an audible flesh and blood leader set over you that's speaking to you and you can't believe them, then it tells me you will not be able to believe an invisible God who often speaks with an inaudible voice, okay? You can poke your leader and hear them, okay? You cannot poke God and hear him in the way that we hear a flesh and blood person. You want to hear the voice of God more clearly? How do you treat the voice of your spiritual leader, okay? How do you treat it? Is it just in one ear and out the other? Are they saying the same thing over and over again? Do you treat it with contempt? Does, does it, you just ma- it doesn't even matter. Because if they have been set over you, that means that God is speaking to you through them. Okay? It doesn't matter what they're like. doesn't matter how they say it. It's God's voice through their words for your life in that season. And how you treat their words, guys, it matters to God. Okay? And it will help you hear God's voice more clearly for your life. They have nothing to gain from misleading you. Okay? And they're probably not going to tell you some random directive thing anyway. Like, it's not like we're playing some game like, how can I best screw up these college students' lives? Let's all spend all of our free time doing that. Okay? Like, you think, like, that's really, like, completely nonsense. They're really listening to the voice of God for you and speaking God's truth over you. Right? They're not telling you, go marry Bob at age 25. They're telling you, you're a son of God. What does the word of God say in this, right? What they're saying is true and good. So we must cling to the voice and the the words of our leader. Um, And let me tell you guys that your leaders aren't telling you stuff to make you feel good about yourself, okay? Um, They're not. Uh, You can ask some some of the stutters, some of my stutters who've been with me for a a longer amount of time, okay? <laughs> Some stutters that I've discipled for multiple seasons, um, they can tell you that I don't tell them stuff to make them feel good about themselves. Sometimes what I say, it does make them feel good about themselves, but not all the time, okay? Um, sometimes it makes your flesh feel very bad, okay? But they benefit from my words if they choose to listen, okay? We're not in the business of making you feel good about yourself. So we're not just trying to boost up your ego. When we tell you, when we give you encouraging words even, people, you got, you think that there's some soft, like non, 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 um, what's that word? Non, non-substantial, insign- okay, insignificant. You think a word of encouragement is insignificant when they tell you um, a truth about your identity or when they tell you the truth about God in this situation, you think, oh, they're just trying to make me feel good and be positive. That's so stupid, okay? 
We're not here to make you feel good, okay? What if that's true? doesn't matter if it gives you warm fluffies or not. If it gives you warm fluffies and it's true, great. If it gives you no warm fluffies and it's true, good. But don't, don't discount a word of encouragement because that's the very word you need to believe to get your breakthrough. If you just believe that one small word of encouragement your familiar leader has been telling you, then you're going to be set free. But you think that they're just trying to make you feel good. No, we don't care if you feel good. Hope that I hope you hear clearly the word of God for you, okay? Okay. Um, number one, Abraham hear, heard clearly the voice of God. Number two, he obeyed quickly. He obeyed quickly. Hope, okay? H, hear clearly. O, obeyed quickly. Everyone say, obeyed quickly. God spoke. Abe heard, believed, and obeyed. He didn't know where he was going. He didn't know how long it took to get there. He didn't know how he would provide for his family. He didn't understand, and he probably didn't feel that excited about it emotionally, right? He didn't understand anything, but he obeyed. Could you imagine what he felt like? It didn't say Abraham had the following emotions, right? And let me take you on the journey through Abe's emotions, right? He didn't, it didn't take us into Abraham's journal entry. Today the Lord told me this, and I'm so scared and frustrated and so hard, okay? It didn't tell us the emotional ballad that he wrote about how difficult, I must leave my kindred, okay? He did it, but like, can I tell you that he's a human being? So to leave everything he knew, to put his family in jeopardy, to put his entire life on the line, it's not like he's some superhero who has no life. He has the same emotions and issues and and feelings that we have, okay? So this was hard for Abraham. Just because the Bible didn't give us his journal entry doesn't mean it was just peachy for Abraham. This was difficult, okay? But he obeyed anyway, okay? What is the key to Abraham's success in this faith walk? He heard clearly, and then he obeyed. A lot of us, we actually do hear the voice of God, and that's where the problem is. We know And we heard, but we get tripped up here. I know, and I heard, but I don't want to obey right now. I'm going to obey in a year. Or my favorite, I'm going to do whatever I want, and then I'm going to repent later and obey when I'm too old to have fun. That's my favorite. Oh, my goodness. And you'd be surprised how often I hear that and how how I, I said the same thing, okay? When I was your age, I said that too. And look at me now. Ha, ha, ha. Okay. <laughs> God will get you. Anyway. Okay, so um, where was I? So anyway, he obeyed anyway, right? He obeyed quickly, and that is key. When God reveals something, you obey quickly. Don't even think about it. Just obey him. It's for your good, just obey him, okay? Could you imagine, though, the conversation Abraham had with his wife? Hun, we gotta go. Okay, where are we going? To the land that God will show us. Okay, where is that? I don't know. How are we gonna get there? I don't know. How long is it gonna take us? I don't know. What's in the land there? I don't know. But we gotta go, okay? Like, he had to deal with that. That's the conversation he had with his family, but he did it anyway. That's so foolish and ridiculous, right? That's crazy. That is what makes Abraham this father of faith. He obeyed. He obeyed, okay? Abraham didn't have it all sorted out in his mind or his emotions. He wasn't like, oh, let me emotionally process this word for 17 months. And then let me think about it. And then let me talk to a council of elders and get 17 confirmations. Okay, he obeyed the next day. He left everything he knew and he listened to God. He had a decision to make, guys. And you can complicate it, justify it, reason it out in all the correct Christianese terms. Okay, but the ultimate thing, the ultimate root decision is this. We have to face this every day, and this is a decision Abraham had to make. Belief or disbelief? Faith or fear? Doubt or trust? My understanding or God's understanding? My ways or God's ways? Okay? Abraham had to make that decision, and we have to make that decision. In all the big and little decisions we have to make, that is the root question. And we can overcomplicate it, But at the end of two hours of talking to you, that's really what it boils down to every time, okay? 
Do you believe what God has said? Okay. Are you going to choose to believe him or not? Do you trust him or not? Simple. That's the question. And that's really the root question to every situation and struggle we have. Okay. So, a life of faith, obviously, guys, it doesn't equate to a life of comfort or ease. But when we walk in faith, there is always going to be fruit. Okay? When we walk in fear, there will be fruit. When we walk in faith, there will be eternal, lasting, good fruit in our lives. Always. Every decision of faith you are making today will bear good fruit in the future. Every single one is not in vain. You know, Oswald Chambers, um, he wrote My Utmost for His Highest. It's one of my favorite devotionals when I was in college. And he wrote, no matter how difficult something may be, you must respond with, Lord, I am delighted to obey you in this. Lord, I am delighted to obey you in this. Instantly, the life of Jesus will be manifested in your life. But the moment you debate with God, you grieve the spirit of God. And when I read this, I was so convicted because I'm quick to obey but I, am, I have never said that. I am delighted to obey you. I have never said that to God. I am delighted to obey you. Like, if it's a difficult thing that God's calling me to, I have never said, I am delighted to obey you. I'm usually like, I'm going to obey you, but I am not happy with you. Okay? I am not. Let's be clear that I am not happy. Okay? Let me make it very obvious that I am upset with you, God. Like, I have I've never said that. So when I read it, I was like, shoot, I have grieved a lot of Holy Spirit, okay? And I want to change that about myself. Like, even if my emotions aren't feeling it, even if it's difficult, then my response is, I'm delighted to obey you in this, God. I don't want to grieve your spirit, right? You will be blessed if your response to whatever God commands is, I'm delighted to obey you in this. You will be so blessed. And the Holy Spirit will be able to help you through the difficult things rather than you grieving him and just trying to get through it unhappily, okay? Abraham understood that it was safer to obey God than to disobey him. The unknown perils of obeying God's voice were much safer than the unknown perils of disobeying him. Right? And if you were at the New Philly retreat, man, that word really, really core, like got to my core, the core of my heart. The true test of obedience comes down to this. In what and in whom do you place power? Who is your God? Who is all powerful to you? Who and and on whom does your safety and your well-being depend, okay? Is it the God of the universe, Yahweh, or is it a lesser God? Is your safety dependent on money, success, relationships? You can only obey one master, and God will continue to put you in situations where you must choose who you will obey, him or something else, okay? And it's also important to quickly obey because if we think about it long enough, we can convince ourselves that we've never heard God speak to us, okay? We can justify everything. We can let our feelings and our thoughts take over. It's important to obey quickly. So first, Abraham heard clearly. Second, he obeyed quickly. Third, he persisted in faith. Persisted in faith, okay? Hope. Persisted in faith. It's not just about hearing and obeying. Honestly, for me, that part is very easy. And for some of you, I know it's easy too. You guys hear his voice. You guys obey quickly. Um, but, I mean, like, sometimes I even obey too fast. Like, if I were Abraham, God would have said, go, and I would have started running down any path, you know, like, peace out, family. And then I would have just started running in any direction. I would have heard anything. I would have just started taking off. Like, I'm very quick to obey. And when God shows me something, I, like, clench onto it like a pit bull, and I do not let go. That is called stubbornness. God can use that for good, and this also can be bad sometimes, okay? And my eagerness to go and listen can be good or bad. Because if I'm not running in the right direction, it doesn't matter, right? But it's very easy for me to hear and obey. But persisting in faith, that is what's very difficult for me. Persisting in faith. Persisting in belief. Persisting in hope. It's very difficult to continue to stay in a place of hope and faith. Um, I continue to obey, but I don't stay hopeful. I continue to obey, but I don't stay faithful, okay? In those difficult times, I'm still walking the road of obedience, but I'm like, 
if anyone talked to me, they'd be like, dude, is she even Christian? <laughs> she looks so beaten up, right? Like, and there's difficult moments, man. I'm like, oh, I have no, I'm, I don't feel hopeful at all. I don't think this is going to happen, right? Persisting in faith is the key. It's the key, okay? This is the most important of the HOPE acronym. <clears throat> Oftentimes when it gets difficult, I'm still in obedience, but I start grumbling, doubting, complaining, and I start having all these pity parties, okay? Self-pity, self-pity, woe is me, all right? When things get tough, when things don't go as planned, when things aren't according to my ways, understanding, or timeline, you can bet that I'm not staying in a place of faith. But let's read what the Word of God says Abraham did when things got tight, when things got tough, okay? Romans 4, 18 through 25 says, For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be an heir of the world did not come through the law but through the righteousness of faith. For it is, for if it is the adherents of the law who are the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the inherit of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of God, in whom they believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, or when he considered the bareness of Saren's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. You see, after we choose obedience, what happens next really matters to God's heart. Okay? This next step after obedience, after the quickness to obey, this is where God's emotions and God's heart gets really wrapped up in it, okay? He is very pleased that we obey and that we hear his voice, but to persist in faith, that's what God's really looking for, okay? Lots of people in their zeal can hear and, and quick, oh, quickly in their zeal obey excitedly. But when it's not shiny and butterflies and bunnies and happiness anymore, and when push comes to shove, and when it's daily grind, that's the exciting part to God. That may be the sucky part for us, but that's when it gets exciting for God. That's when he's like, you've got all my attention. Let me see what happens now, right? When things look impossible, when you left everything you knew and you po can't possibly go back to where you came from, but where the promise and all the stuff that's up ahead, you can't see it. It's too far in the future. You can't go back. It looks like the future is impossible and all that's around you is, is impossibility, right? That is when Abram, it said, it said that he grew in his faith. He grew stronger in his faith fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised, okay? In that moment, God's eyes are on us. Romans said that he grew strong in his faith, gave glory to God, and he was fully convinced. In those seasons and moments, guys, when it's the most difficult for us to continue to be faithful, we have every reason to give up hope, to give up faith. But... Like, you know, in those seasons, it looks like everyone around you has packed up their bags and they're like, man, this is as far as I can go on this faith journey. And it feels like sometimes you're the only one left. And it feels like, man, this is as far as I can possibly go. In those moments, guys, persist in faith. Persist in hope. Okay? If you heard God clearly and if you've chosen to obey, but you find yourself over and over coming back to the same problem, 
the same addiction, the same issue, the same doubts, fears, and struggles. Okay, if there's a repetitive thing that's coming up in your life over and over and you can't seem to break free from it, then I believe that this is the word of God for you today. This step right here is, is what you got to hear. Okay, persist in faith. Right now, persist. Okay, grow stronger in faith. Don't stop right now. Do not stop now. Persist. This is when 99% of Christians stop, okay? And it's where 99% of them, if they would have just persisted a bit longer, they would have entered into promise. Right now, if this is you, persist in faith. You know, I was reading Genesis 25, 5, and 6, um, <clears throat> because I'm extremely behind in the Emmaus Bible reading plan, and I know that I am because my familiar student leader, Gina, posted up, and she is not behind and so I, uh, she's very faithful, but I am very far behind. And then I read it the other day, though, and um, if you're behind, it's okay, okay? And it says in Genesis 25, 5 through 6, Abraham gave all he had to Isaac. Abraham gave all he had to Isaac. But to the sons of his concubines, Abraham gave gifts. And while he was still living, he sent them away far from his son Isaac, eastward to the east country, Okay. Abraham gave all he had to Isaac, and to the other sons he just gave a couple gifts and sent them away. And God spoke to me when I read that. That's very, like, random. But then God said, Rona, Isaac was a son of the promise. So Abraham gave everything he had to Isaac. And I said, that's awesome, God. And then God was saying, but to the other kids, Rona, he just gave them gifts and sent them away. And then God said, Rona, I want you to be a son of the promise so that I can give you everything. I don't want to just give you gifts once in a while. And I said, okay. Okay, God. You know, that sounds great. I want to be a son of the promise. I want, to, I want you to give me everything, not just gifts once in a while. I'm down. Okay, what, what does that mean, God? And I was asking the Lord what he was talking about. And then God began to explain to me that to be a son of the promise, the difference between Isaac and a son of a concubine is persisting in faith. Okay? Persisting in faith. Why? Because in Romans 8 it says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. By faith we become children of God. By faith we become sons of God with a full inheritance. And by faith we continue as sons of God. Okay? To be a son is to remain in a place of faith. The difference between a son of the promise and a son of a concubine is to persist in faith. Because the moment we start doubting and we have thoughts like, God isn't really for me. God doesn't really have what's best for me. God forgot all about me. God isn't going to take care of me, so I have to take care of myself. These thoughts are not thoughts of a son. They're thoughts of an orphan. God cannot bless an orphan. He can only bless his sons who know him as father. We remain in sonship to the father when we remain in faith, okay? But when we begin to doubt his goodness, we remove ourselves from the place of blessing, okay? Those doubts, if we heed them, move us from sonship to orphanhood, okay? When God said, Rona, I want you to be a son of the promise so I can give you everything, not just gifts once in a while, he was telling me that I must train myself to remain in hope, persist, in faith, and to not give way to fear and doubt. So how do we remain in faith, guys? We remain in God's love. We remember what he's already done. And we set our minds on things above. Romans 8, 6-9 says, The mind that is set on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. You cannot continue to walk this path of faith, this walk that Abraham walked, if your mind is set on the things of the flesh. If your mind begins to think as the world thinks, it's not going to work, right? Because if you see as the world sees and if you think as the world thinks, it's, it's like spiritual death. It's going to kill your faith. 
okay? Our fleshly minds are literally at war with God. He cannot speak to it, and we cannot hear him. So if you feel like you've been battling with God in terms of this persisting in faith thing, I want to encourage you to think about what's been on your mind, okay? What's been on your mind, and how have you been thinking? Has it been the way the world thinks, the world sees, or have you set your mind on the things of the Spirit? Lastly, guys, and quickly, um, number four, E, expecting goodness, okay? Hope, hearing clearly, obeying quickly, persevering, persisting in faith, and four, expecting goodness, okay? Expecting goodness. Um, One thing God's been really challenging me with lately is the topic of knowledge. And a lot of times we think, oh, if I know the verse, if I know the answer, if I know this Bible verse, if I know that revelation, then it, then that's my freedom. That's what matters, right? And and the thing about me is that I uh, I can input, I, I can gather, intake a lot of information. So if you give me any topic, I could give you 10 Bible references easily, okay? So um, I used to think that mattered, but it doesn't, okay? It doesn't matter how much you know. It matters how much you believe and how much you will act on. It's better to know a little, believe it fully, and live according to it than know a lot, believe a portion, and live according to a portion. Okay? It doesn't matter how much you know about God or the Bible or Christian life. It matters how much you believe. Do you believe what you know? If you don't believe what you know, then it doesn't matter. Okay? What do you actually believe? Or do you just know it? The Christian life isn't about gathering information, okay? It doesn't matter how much truth you know. It matters what you actually believe and act on. James 2.23 says, The scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God, okay? He believed God, and he was called a friend of God. Abraham actually believed God when God said all this crazy ridiculousness to him. Okay? He actually believed God. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. The world is going to be blessed through you. All the world will be blessed through you, Abraham. And all Abraham did was believe him. Okay? That simple, okay, God, I believe you, that was ridiculous. And that delighted God's heart so much. That delighted God's heart so much. Can you imagine? It delighted his heart so much that he called Abraham his friend. The God of the universe called a mere mortal man his friend because he believed him. I wonder if God went up to ten other random dudes in the ancient Mesopotamia and was like, hey, follow me to the land I will show you. I'll make you. And then they were all like, that is so not going to happen. Let me pray about it. I don't think so. I don't, I'm, I'm doubting. I'm doubting. And then finally God goes up to Abraham and says the same thing. Follow me to the land I will show you. I'll make you a great nation. And then Abraham said, okay. Right? He just said, okay, God. And then God's like, you're my friend. Finally, right? Someone actually believes me. I'm actually going to do it. I'm going to do everything I said because this guy actually is crazy enough to believe me. Okay? God is looking for people like that. All the stuff he said, okay? I know that you know it. Sometimes I'm up here and I'm like, they already heard all of this. I'm so tired of saying it to them. I don't want to even say it anymore, okay? I know you know it and it tires me to say things you already know, but I want to know if you believe it. Do you believe what he has said? If you believe it, it matters to God's heart so much, okay? It delights his heart, and he calls you friend if you believe the crazy stuff he says to you. Abraham didn't do anything, no monumental acts or speeches or great feats. He didn't do any heroic thing. He literally just believed all the crazy promises God gave him. And then God blessed him, okay? Um, And that is what... God is saying to us too, okay? The last step, number four, expect goodness. Abraham never stopped expecting God to be good to him. God said from the very beginning he's going to be good to me, so no matter what it looks like, my wife's still barren, everything's still hard, I know he's going to be good. He did not waver. He always expected goodness. What's going to be around that corner? Goodness. Oh, crap, it's just bad. What's around the next corner? It's going to be goodness every single time. He thought it was going to be bad. He still said, oh, every single time it was still bad. He still thought it's going to be good next time, okay? He expected God to be good. 
8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose, right? We know that one. We also know Romans 8, 31 and 32. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? But what I want to ask you about these two verses in particular, because I believe these two verses God really wants to reveal to us in this season at SNU, is do you just know these verses because you've heard them so many times? God works all things for my good. Amen. Okay? I've heard that a million times. Do you just know them or do you actually believe them? Do you believe God is working all things for your good? Um, The thing is, guys, I ask you this question because I know most of you very well and personally. And at SNU specifically, I know that you guys have been through some stuff, okay? You guys have walked through valleys. You guys have been through difficult things. And the reason I'm asking you guys about this verse in particular is because I really want you to ask yourself that. Do you believe that God is working all things for your good? Do you believe it? Even in that difficult situation, even in that thing that, When you think about it, it still grieves and mourns and hurts your heart when you think about it. Even in that big thing, do you believe God's working it for your good? Do you believe that God is working all things for your good? I know you know the verse, but that's not what I'm asking, okay? Do you believe that God is for you? Do you believe that even in those difficult situations that he's for you? Or as soon as it gets hard, do you start turning on God and saying, why would you do this to me, God? Why are you punishing me? Why are you withholding from me? As soon as a difficult situation arises, God, guys, what happens is God is uncovering what we actually believe. When it's easy, we know God's for us. But when it's hard, we immediately say, why, God? We say, why, God? Why, God? What it actually is uncovering is the truth that we believe. And we believe that God isn't for us. If immediately when things get hard, we say, why God? Why are you doing this to me? We believe God's out to get us. And God is uncovering that deception, maybe even using that difficult situation in our lives to uncover the deception and say, no, 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 no. This is exactly why this is happening. Because I want you to be sure that I am for you. I am for you. I am for you. I am for you. Okay? The verse says, he, did not, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? He who did not spare his own son, how will he not graciously give us all things? You want to know how for you God is. He gave his son. He gave the most precious and dear thing to him. And if he did not withhold Jesus... He will not withhold anything else we could ever want. He gave you his best already, okay? Um, How and why would he withhold a good future, good relationships, financial blessings? Compared to Jesus, that stuff is so shallow and fickle to God, okay? Compared to what he gave us in Jesus, that stuff is so inconsequential to God. The Lord cannot be more good to you than he already has been in Christ. And the Lord cannot love you more than what he's already displayed in Christ. The measure and goodness of his love cannot be greater than what he's already done in Christ. And so I want to spend um, a couple minutes praying. And so if I could get the lights.